0: Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Calcio's Pantheon. Today, we have a special episode. Um, today, I am joined, obviously, by my co-host, fellow journalist and podcaster, Elliot. How are you doing tonight? I've got my negative COVID
1: test, so I can leave my house. Yay!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and today, we are joined by a special guest. Um, a j- journalist at Stony Brook University, and also the host of the Football Apex podcast. We have our fr- good friend James. Going, How are you guys? tonight?
2: Pleasure
0: to be here today. I'm glad, we're glad to have you join us. Um, so today, I decided we would do like a roundtable type discussion, but we will we'll also have other things throughout. We'll we'll be doing like some. Serie A awards slash europe european awards um throw in some transfer talk like basically things that you would like to see your club sign um and what you think would be that key piece that will help secure a title for the team you support stuff like that um I'm just going to open it off with, first of all, James, Like, w- tell our listeners what, what club you support and how you got to be a well, part said, of that club. The first club was AC Milan, right? And that was just because my father, when he introduced me to football, um,
2: Kaka at the time was the reigning Ballon d'Or champion, right? Because they had defeated Liverpool in the Champions League final, and that was the team that I gained an affinity for. But since I have Spanish descent, I also watch Real Madrid, and I've been watching them even through their, their crisis now. And also their glory period of the last decade, which, you know, it needs no further mention. It was one of the greatest dynasties in modern history, right? But the reason I I still love AC Milan, of course, is because it's my first team. But also because they had that bounce back this year where they're actually top of the league, very closely to, uh, followed by Inter Milan. And so that rivalry makes that league really fun to watch. And that team like has so much ambition and so many hopes um, not only in European competition, but as well as in the league and domestically in the Copa Italia, that uh, they're by far they're by far my favorite team to watch in 2021.
0: Yeah, that that's definitely awesome. Although that <laughs> we all know that I love my boys in here with a passion,
1: <laughs> but <laughs> in, in fairness, in fairness, it's only a one point separation, so.
0: This is going to be – I'm just finally happy. Can we all, like, be in agreement that we're finally all happy that it won't be Juventus this season? It's a bit of a fresh,
2: you know, (laughs) a change of airs, as they would say in Spanish, where it's like they won the league, I believe, eight times in a row. Now, I know Bayern Munich gets a lot of stick for being that farmer's league, but the Serie A is supposed to be the hardest league to score in. And you had a goal-scoring breaking season in Higuain in 2016. And they still didn't win the league, so it just goes to show that like whatever happens, it's almost like there's a predestined winner of it all. But Danielle, exactly, as an Inter fan, you do realize that last season Inter were a point away from actually taking the title. So I feel like this was a shift that was bound to happen yeah. and this year. I definitely believe Juventus will not be winning the the Serie A. That's just yeah. A
1: in, in, in fairness, though, to to Danielle, in this situation is. I mean, Inter were second place, but it it kind of felt like it was by default because Lazio was the real challenger to Juventus until the end. And then once once Juventus had won it, or mathematically had won it, they took the foot off the gas, and then uh, they lost a couple of games, and Inter ended up winning some, and then they ended up <laughs> getting in second. But but I, I feel like last season it was it was they were in it until they lost the second time against Juventus, and then obviously Lazio were in it to the end until the break and then they, they started collapsing. So, I mean, it wasn't as devastating as it would be if they'd lost it by one point this season, because I think there's just a, another narrative and one more thing. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of going off base here, but uh, I'm just going to jump on what you said, James, about u a winning the league over and over mm-hmm. again. And it's this whole farmer league. the other good thing about whether it's a, uh, you know, inter AC Milan or, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Roma winning the league. I'm um, crossing fingers. Um, I think it will be it will it will kind of kill the narrative about Syria that it is a boring league and people start to watch more because I think when when a when a certain team wins the league over and over again they just assume that the rest of the league is is garbage rather than a Bayern Munich team or a Juventus team fighting until the very end to win it so I think that would be another positive outlook of Juve not winning it other than I'm just tired of <laughs> that makes
2: sense but um you got to remember that despite what Stick Syria gets, they did have the finalists in 2015 and 2017, both of course beating Juventus. So it's not like it was a former league dominated by a team that's just like a flat track bully and doesn't hold their weight in Europe. And if we remember in 2018, if it wasn't for Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty in the 97th minute, it was Juventus who was going through and breaking the dynasty that Ramajid had of three Champions Leagues. So they've been pretty consistent yeah. in Europe. That wasn't until recent times now where they haven't made uh, the semifinals in a while, and they haven't won the competition in over twenty years.
1: So still- right, but people think people think about the the scandal in 06 and the three four years that followed mm-hmm. that, the, and it was it was very poor after after '06, probably from 06 to probably 010 mm-hmm. But once t- twenty eleven upwards, I think it's been it's been much 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 better, and I think it's 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 improving, but. The rest of the world globally are not recognizing that it's making improvements, and and you know, there's fans from La Liga and the Premier League and others, and they they taunt Syria for having Sassuolo in a Champions League spot or Atlanta doing well when in their leagues there are teams that are doing really well that shouldn't be. So I think, again, Milan, Inter, Roma, whoever wins the league, I think it will open up. It will kind of kill that narrative a little bit, and people will watch it with more respect. Ah, so anyway, that's, that's my but point I on like that. I like
2: to you mentioned the scandal of Couchapulte in 2006 because there's a funny story behind that. So, despite Italy yeah. being in total disarmity um, with technically players in the second division in a World Cup-winning roster, it was almost like yeah. a catalyst for change in the league. Where it's like, the next year, mm-hmm. obviously that summer, Juve, uh, I say Juventus, Italy won the World Cup, and then the following year, Milan made the Champions League final and won it against Liverpool. And then three years later, Danielle's beloved Inter Milan won the, whole, the trouble and embarrassed my beloved AC Milan 4 0 in San Siro that season. Well, um, if people it, have a certain reputation against Syria, it's something that either it's just like a stigma that won't go away with time because they just thoroughly believe it, or something massive has to happen. And so, for you, Elliot, or, or Danielle, like what do you think would have to happen for people to be convinced that Syria is not a Farmers League? maybe
1: Milan winning it? Daniel, you go. I f- wouldn't mind. Daniel, go, You go ahead. I'll, res- I'll you go first and I'll, I'll respond after.
0: Okay. Um I think first of all, one of the things that needs to happen is that it's definitely P- a team needs to throw, overthrow Juventus and I think in the next few seasons the league is not going to be as cut and dry as it has been in recent seasons. Um, I just think it's going to be, the competition is just going to become more, comp- the league is going to become more competitive and which hasn't really been seen until like the past like season or two where it's been a little fairly close. I mean, there was one back when I first started like five years ago, I think Roma almost had it at one point. And
1: are you are you, just, are you talking about 2016, 2017 season? Yeah. The Jekko year. And with Salah. Yeah.
0: Yep. But either way, it has just been Juventus pretty much throughout, but it's starting to slowly become a more competitive league. And when the other leagues kind of like see how competitive Syria can be, it may change that. Well, the word, I guess the would use the, the word stigma or something. Yeah. Or the narrative. And, It would kind of like say, oh, I guess this isn't like a farmers league, or it isn't like what we once thought it was, because there's that competitiveness, and it would allow other players who would not consider playing for Syriac to come over, which kind of and give them more of a, and then once you get those prolific players over to Syriac, it kind of would increase like the viewability of it. And by the way, I cannot claim the 2010 Scudetto since I wasn't there in the treble. But either way, I just think once some of those things are addressed, I think Syria may slowly build its credibility once again. But just right now, until the more competitive atmosphere happens in the next few seasons and the some of the players decide to come over to Syria, it's still going to be given that like bad rap that it has been in the have, recent the like, years. Um, would it be
2: a global superstar entering their prime, or just an established star. What I mean by that is like Cristiano Ronaldo is the most marketable athlete in the world. Most Instagram followers, he doubled Juventus's Instagram following within the year that he joined, and yet there's still stigma around Syria. However, if like a Erling Holland or an Mbappe went to Syria where they have a lot to give and Syria will be in the in the spotlight for a longer amount of time than it will be with Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think that would be better for improving the image of Syria in the view of like the naysayers or the people who don't like Syria?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um I think either one, a player entering either entering their prime or just some just somebody to like break this uh, narrative of what Syria is. Um, it's just like one of those things that maybe, but in that aspect, I think maybe like I'm a Mbappe or Erling Holland or um, I'm going to shout out Elliot's boy, Jao Felix. I wish. Um, I don't think i will ever pray praying <laughs> <if> it happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, like even then, they have so much to offer and would definitely like give more. Syria a better chance of um, basically getting more credibility as the seasons progress. Let me say something real quick. So
1: I think you're right because there's something important that I think we need to mention again. Uh, James, you and me talked about this about a week ago. When I I made the argument that a lot of the best players hit the market or whatever are coming to Italy and Germany, so they have that part of their advantage where the people – are not giving them a pass for that or even recognizing that that's that's something that's actually happening i think it comes down to for me i think for it to really get respect i don't know who would do it but a team needs to make the champions league final and not only win it because winning it is great but they need to go up against like a liverpool or a premier league um man city one of these teams and completely outclass them from start to finish. Like if, for example, if AC Milan um, or Inter or uh, somebody else or Juventus even uh, down the road in a couple of years go, makes the Champions League final, they face Klopp's Liverpool or Guardiola's Man City, and they just completely outclass them, Then I think it changes, or a a I don't know maybe a PSG, one of these like really really massive teams. Then I think the, the the narrative will start to it will start to kill off a little bit just because everyone talks about the amount of times UVA won, but they don't talk about how tough UVA has had it to win in those couple of seasons and and things like that. So I think that that's that's a key point. Another key point is attracting a huge star and. I talked about this with a few different people. I um, mean, Daniel, you've probably heard me say this already, but um, obviously you want Inter to win. But the the point that I'm making here is if, if just if, if AC Milan wins the league title, I feel like, like this season, maybe if they go two in a row or something like that, and they do it next season, Inter and AC Milan are fighting for the title consistently the next two years with maybe a third party hopefully Roma that will also be involved then they're going to start be able to start to attract the big players so for example when Mbappe leaves PSG they I think I'll say this year but but in two years from now and Milan is coming off a league title they will become more approachable not because of their history obviously and because Mbappe is gonna to want to go to a league where it's where it's thriving and stuff, and want a, ch- a chance to win and be his own. Zlatan out, Mbappe, and just a the theory. I don't know if that would happen, but but I think the because uh, when you when you're gonna sign one of these great players, you have to be able to to give them a reason why they will come here. So I think they will be able to bargain themselves into a conversation with Mbappe, um, especially in the next couple of years, especially if if Real Madrid doesn't turn it around they'll become less enticing and AC Milan will become more enticing. So I think another, a player like that coming to Italy in their twenties, because Ronaldo, Ronaldo was huge from a marketing perspective and more people are watching it. But when Ronaldo arrived, he had one, one like prime year left of his, Career left was his first UVA season, was, he was incredible. And after that, you see the deterioration, and you see him decline slightly. Um, obviously, slight declining for him and declining for someone else is not the same thing. But, but there's been a slight decline over the last two years. Um, and then, you know, all of that together. If you get like an Mbappe or a Neymar or somebody, somebody just massive that can come here at, at a younger age, maybe Holland, but I, Holland or Felix. But I don't think those two are going to do it. At least it doesn't seem like that right now. But um, if th- if that all goes together and a team makes a Champions League final like like that, I think I think the respect will come back. But I think it's got a long way to go before anybody really looks at us in this league as one of the best. I think it's the third best. I have said this on every platform that I own. <laughs> I think it's, it's the Bundesliga, Italy, and England. Um, but I, I don't I don't think most people view it that way. So once we start winning like something really significant and attracting really big stars, then we'll, we'll see if, if that narrative dies down a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, First, we'll just jump into one of the topics that I've had for today. So basically like, how do you guys think your club is doing so far and what do you think needs to be done in order for them to possibly win the league? James, you go first. Oh, you want me to go first? I was gonna say because you have two <laughs> teams. All right.
2: Yes,
1: I'll a, go first. I'll go first, and then you go.
2: Narrative around it with AC Milan, it almost feels guilty, like they've been so bad for so many years, and then they get good, and now like supporting Milan must be a bit of like guilty pleasure in twenty twenty one. Whereas Roma, Roma, okay, no one can say you're a glory hunter if, uh, if you support Roma. It's just impossible.
1: No. Um. Yeah. Uh, wait, so sorry, Daniel, what's the question?
0: Um, basically we're just going to go around and talk about how our team is doing and like what we think needs to be done the like second half of the season for them to win a title or even just improve from the previous season.
1: Okay. Um, for Roma, in terms of winning, I think they'll make the Champions League. I think most people who know what they're talking about kind of see that. If, if Roma can eat, j- even keep up half of what they've done so far this season, they'll make the Champions League. I mean, they've, lost, they've dropped three points um, on the pitch, one point because of forfeit. Um, but the Verona game, we know Verona's good. I mean, there's nobody, it's not like we're dropping a, you know, space here or something like that. So we dropped that first. That was a bad performance, but we, we got a point in that game. It was taken away, but that's a whole different issue. And then you look at uh, Sassuolo. There was controversial circumstances in that game. We probably should have gotten all three points, but um, we didn't. Um, but even if put that aside for a second, so we dropped to Sassuolo and we, then we got crushed by Napoli and Alanta Um Napoli was off the Maradona passing. Um, again, they ripped us to shreds. And then we had 25 bad minutes against Alanta, and they punished us repeatedly for it. Um, so, But, but those, are, those are big games. Um, then you look at all the other games. So if you look at the smaller games that Roma have played this season, they're beating teams they, didn't, well, they would normally struggle with. For example, last year at Bologna, uh, same, basically the same team, came to Roma and beat us. Um, they, we, you we should typically struggle with games like that this year with after 45 minutes we're winning 5-1 and then you look at Torino game Torino all, all, usually gives us a game and i know they're not doing well same so we're we're beating all these teams that would normally struggle us and just from a roma fan perspective when you're watching these roma games and they concede i no longer feel worried there's not like i'm like i'm like cuz in the past roma would concede i would get concerned now we have to score two goals uh to, to win the game. Now I don't feel concerned because of the way Roma's playing from back to front. Defensively, defensive options are the best in the league. Uh, if we have a different goalkeeper, um, we probably are closer to the top of the table than we are. Um, midfield's been great. We need we need a few more pieces. And then our attack has been one of the best in the league. So there's a lot to love from Roma. So so if you're just looking at this from this season, um January transfer window is going to go quick. If Roma want to jump on this, mm-hmm. they need to do whatever they can to get the, – they can do two things. They can either go all out and get a goalkeeper, which I would prefer. I would. I want Krakno, but I would be okay with uh, Di Silvestri or Sereguer or one of these other ones, um, even uh, this Jorentina goalkeeper, Dragonowski. I would take any of those. We just need someone who can be solid in that. Um, the problem is Roma can't do two things. So it's either we do that, which would be my preference, or we go for Castrovili from Fiorentina, um, but I think Roma will go for him in the summer, anyways. So I feel like the goalkeeper is is the glue. But maybe you 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 pull off a few littler signings uh, that can be depth pieces because our depth options are terrible. Um, and then maybe could Roma could maybe do it because if they can consistently play well and they start winning the big games and the match against Inter and the Derby against Lazio will be two crucial games. If they win those two games convincingly and they had a goalkeeper, I'm not saying they'll win it, but they very well could sneak into that conversation in a very real way because we're I think we're not that many points from the top. We got ways to go, but. Milan isn't going to be spotless forever. They will lose a game this season and enter on a big winning streak, but they can get, they can be exposed at any point in time. So um, I would say goalkeeper would be priority. Um, But then again, I'd love, i love to get a a upgrade at midfield if possible, even though I'm very happy with the midfield that we have.
0: Okay. That brings me into the, another question I have, but then we'll get to you, James. Um, Honestly, uh, the A through F grade scale. What would you grade your team?
1: Me? Yes. Uh, A minus. we I mean, we. If we if the thing is, if we beat Atlanta and Napoli, then we're we're. I mean, I, I don't mean to to say this because it's all hypothetical. We're in first place. If we beat Napoli and Atlanta, and the forfeit doesn't happen in the first game of the season, we've. We were in first place. So, so it's just like you have to be happy with Roma. No one saw this Roma thing coming. Um, but, again, if you, big, if you win the big games, it's an A+. Plus. The fact that we didn't puts us in A's minus, but we're winning all the rest of the games. So I think it's hard to, to – it'd be hard-pressed to say anything less than like, an, like a B plus because I think Roma have just been that good, and I think the rest of the league is starting to, to recognize that this, this, this Roma team is different than in past
0: years. Right. So, James, same questions. Like, talk about how you think Milan is doing and what do you think really needs to be done to, like, hopefully solidify them to Scudetto and then follow that up with, like, your grade for them right now. Or you can also Real Madrid. You can talk about Real Madrid's
1: issues since they have more as well if you want. They're
2: top of the league, but it's not like they're clearly ahead of everyone. They're a point ahead of Inter, but they are undefeated. And there was one game, I believe it was against Genoa or Cagliari, where they were losing 2-0 and they came back to at least get the point. And that's just that intangible mindset that Elliot and I talk about all the time that champions have, which excites me a lot because it's not something that Milan had in years prior, at least not over the last decade. And so those are things that I'm, I'm happy to see. However, it has been a lot of that winning by a penalty or Zlatan coming up with heroics or Dale Hernandez in the last minute. Um, kind of repetitive heroicism um, that you can't depend on for an entire season. You have to show more consistency. And I'm not saying that they have to dominate opponents because just getting points on the board is the minimum requirement for AC Milan. But if they do lose a game, and I've spoken to Elliot about this in the past, will their mindset change? Will they collapse or will they fall apart? That's something that I don't know yet. And so 14 games into a 30, I believe 38 or 36 game, Serie A season. It's still too early to tell. But one change that I would bring in is a, a sub-striker who has pace that can help facilitate the attack in case Milan are either boxed in due to a team parking the bus, or they want to hit a team on the counter-attack. Um, and this leaky Juventus defense, despite the De Litz improvement over the past season, um, is something that Milan could take advantage of, but not with Zlatan. They'd have to have a pacer player Either next to him, maybe on for him, or at least just available. And uh, Rafael Leal is an option, though.
0: That's Let me ask you
2: something. Since you, since you're that's, that's the thing that gets me.
1: Right. No, that's fair. Uh, since you're Real Madrid uh, guy as well, what would you think of uh, Jovic or Luka Jovic coming in? Because that's been rumored over the last couple of weeks um, as a potential. Uh, uh, upgrade not upgrade but uh, a striker no, that they could come would that be enough or would you want something a little bit more
2: concrete is rewarded in syria whereas la Liga's mostly been technical ability you see those neymar hazards or at least hazard should have been compatible with la liga had it not been for his injuries uh Djokic is a, yeah is a fox in the box who can finish on either either foot and I feel like Syria is more linear with the Bundesliga's play style than it is La Liga. So it wasn't that Jovic didn't have the talent. It's just he was not mm-hmm. something that he was compatible with. And if we look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example, a player that just didn't work in La Liga, supposedly he still had amazing numbers, but wasn't what we wanted out of him and, and definitely not what we saw in the French league that he played there or now in Syria. It's just the the perfect fit for him. And I think that Milan would be a great way to maintain his value. And Real Madrid would be more than happy to give him to Milan because those two clubs actually have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And it would be a way to either finalize their decision on what Jovic was either a failure or a long term project that just needs a little bit of more patience. Or or like just a sale. Like a Send him to Milan, and if he performs well or performs poorly, like they, they make their decision on, on offloading him. But I do like.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm pretty absolutely. sure it would be. A, I'm pretty sure it'd be alone, right? For that, I don't think we are gonna out out buy. And then, real quick, I just want to touch on one thing before you continue. People sometimes have a short short sighted memory. Same with with other players. But for example, Griezmann's athletic Madrid career was incredible. He goes to Barcelona. He's totally. It's just not the same thing. And they think that he can't play. Same with Jovic. Jovic goes, to, goes from Frankfurt to Real Madrid. He goes to Real Madrid. People think he can't play. At Frankfurt, mm-hmm. he, was a, he was a problem. He was incredible. Uh, and if he can get back to playing like that, I think, you know, he's still quite young. I still think he can be that big-time player that he's capable of. And I think maybe a route to Milan. I don't know how they would do it, how they would rotate. There's a lot done, him and, and Liao. Uh, maybe... Signing him puts paid potentially going with Liao out on loan maybe, or maybe they use him as a guy that you bring off the bench. But, but if, if they could just re- replicate what he did at Frankfurt, I think this can, can push away a little bit from the rest. I think they'll still be pressurized, but and that's what they, yeah, I think I what they need right One now. Thing that I anyway, love about continue.
2: Jovic, that, Jovic sorry. <laughs> that is underappreciated is his ability to use both feet, because Turning, his turning circle, as a result, becomes more refined and he can turn quicker. And he has physicality and the height and youth. Uh, he has a very deadly mindset as well. If, if only off the pitch, he was like that. But these are qualities that you can't just teach. He's just born with it. And when you see him play for the Serbian national team, you think it's a different player. Like, I, I often tell my friends, if you were to take the names off the jerseys, you know, like in the old times with Pele, where it was just the number 10 Brazil, and you didn't know who it was. You would not recognize him. He's just ten times better. It's because he's comfortable and because he doesn't have the pressure. Well, he actually does have pressure, but he lives up to it. Whereas at Real Madrid, it's it's almost like he has to displace the most favored striker in the history of ever. Because Zidane thinks Benzema supposedly is the best striker in French history. That kind of camaraderie makes it very difficult for Jovich to say I'm gonna I'm gonna displace him and replace him in the Real Madrid starting eleven. I feel like the situation for him just doesn't work and it's not even his fault, but in a club that big, where the coverage of little mistakes gets amplified tenfold, he should go to Milan, where they are getting a lot more coverage, but they're not... At a club like that, he wouldn't be crucified the way he is at, at Real Madrid.
1: Um, yeah. Absolutely. Plus... They were trying to like. I don't think he's desired that much there anymore. Because if you remember, um, and back back in uh, the summer, um, Real Madrid were trying to offload some of their strikers. He was the, so so. A lot of people don't know this. The only reason he's still there, and this was this was a, a deal that was being negotiated um, in the summer as well, was uh, Morial, who went to Roma on loan for I think fifteen million buy option. They were gonna keep one of them, and basically the whole thing with with the way Real Madrid were handling a business at that time is whoever was gonna be sold, they were gonna they were gonna they were gonna let one go and keep the other just because they didn't have enough time to 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 sort of get all that back and trying to to orchestrate that situation with with everything that else was going on. So now that we're in a new transfer window, they'll certainly have those discussions about potentially getting somebody else instead, which which I think gives a path for Milan to get the deal done. And if you're asking me, I think there, it's, it's a 50-50 shot that they're going to get it done because I don't think AC Milan are really looking anywhere else in the transfer business other than exactly what Jovic does. So if it's not Jovic, it'll be somebody else, but they're definitely going to go for, for a, another strike. I don't think they're looking at other positions anyway. So it's a very... It's, it's very clear what Milan need to like, do in the transfer uh, business right now. You know what I mean? And
2: run with it. Genuinely, Jovic is like the perfect striking. Like he's almost of a different era. I'd say he's got a little bit of drug butt in him, you know. Whereas, like he's more physical than he is technical, right? <laughs> exactly. And yeah, so uh, he's a big boy. I can't believe that's something that it isn't appreciated, especially in La Liga, where you would assume that he could bully defenders, but. It's not that he is not good enough to play in La Liga. It's just he's better suited somewhere else. And I think about it now. When teams are looking for their prolific striker, the Premier League is a league centered around pace. And so when Chelsea selected their striker, they looked for the paciest guy, young, and fit that narrative. And we both know we're talking about Timo Mm -hmm. Werner. But he's, a, I don't want to have <laughs> yeah. a conversation here, but even he would probably struggle in La Liga. And he's not a bad striker. It's just it's not like the best fit for him, even though on paper, and that's the most criminal thing to do in this sport, which is to to assume that paper wins matches. Because if that right. were the case, so many Champions Leagues would have gone to Barcelona. They were the best team, you know? But um, but, you know, rooting it back, rooting it back to yeah. Real Madrid and Milan. An- anyway. Well, I'll, I'll evaluate Real Madrid's situation. So I believe Atletico sit La Liga uh, head of La Liga okay. with um, Real Madrid closely behind them. I'll confirm that.
1: Yeah, yeah. but they, so, remember Atletico has two games uh, that they haven't played yet. So, if, so if they yeah. win both, then they're like I think they're like six seven points above. They're already two on they top of the six that they'll they'll get if they win those two games.
2: Gap between themselves and Real And the thing that gets me is, you know, Danielle, you said. Um, to compare the situation of AC Milan and Real Madrid, but I don't, I don't think Real Madrid isn't as bad of a situation as I thought they were because that Derby win was not just luck, even though it was technically an own goal off of O'Black's back. That was domination. Like that was the most, one of the most comfortable Derby wins I've ever seen. And, and back when Athletic Madrid were the little brother of Real Madrid in 2010, you know, before the Cristiano Ronaldo era, um, mm-hmm. Even then, it wasn't so convincing than it is now. And and I was puzzled because Real Madrid showed so much composure in a game where the narrative was actually around Atletico getting... That was the first loss of the season. They sit top of La Liga with an 11-win, two-draw, one-loss record. That loss courtesy of their across-town rivals. Their two-time Champions League usurping bigger brother, Real Madrid. Um, but they do have three losses, and that's the exact same amount that they had last season. Yes. They we're only 16 games into the season. So, one concern I have is defensively. Like Sergio Ramos's injury in the international uh, match between Spain and Germany left so many questions around Ramajit's future more than it was their present. Because what Ramos provides them is not just ability on the field, but morale um, and mentally speaking. He he adds like another dimension to their game because he's a club legend. And it must be an honor for some of these young players like Vinicius, Rodrigo, Valverde, Odegaard, to be able to play with a player like Ramos, who can be argued to be one of the best defenders in Real Madrid history. Um and so losing him, which has been absolutely more due to contract negotiations, um, is something that worries me for the future, not for this season. And so that's like a that's like a tricky situation. So I would say Real so far this season B plus not trying to be harsh but just what I've seen so far this season even though they sit second in La Liga they are they are gonna kind of, they have the potential to fall behind Atletico like mm-hmm. most of the other teams in the table uh, Real Sociedad who started off very well drawing with Real in the first game of the season they've slipped to third place Barcelona I actually have to scroll here it's insane they sit in sixth place with twenty five points um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that AC was just Milan, recently because they
1: were like 12th um, or 13th before that.
2: Yeah, AC Milan, I would give them. What well, would you? What well, grade would you give AC Milan? Eight, and drawing games, I, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the Arsenal Invincibles, where it's like they could lose points at any moment, but they still have what it takes to get the draw, and that 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 has more value to me than more goals or more flashy plays. You know, for me, just being able to play out. And get draws when you could have just lost the game and thrown in the towel. It shows more than just one point on the board. It it tells me a lot more about what they can do in the whole season. And and by the way, like you said before, if AC Milan could repeat uh, win a title, and then that, what would that do for their morale going forward? Um, to repeat or maybe even challenge in Europe, because of course you win Serie A, you go to the Champions League, and AC Milan. Even though they've been far removed from their great heights of 2007, even 2005 when they reached the final lost 2003, etc., they are the second most successful European uh, team in the European competition. If they were to be able to reignite that fire and and gain some sort of confidence there, it would be so nostalgic. I I think that and without being, you know, narcissistic here because I support AC Milan, that would probably boost Syria. Because a lot of people who used to watch were watching because of those three teams, Inter, uh, Juventus, and AC Milan. So to see AC Milan back, it would be like Man United being back or, you know, for the time being, Real Madrid being back. Um, it's just got this nostalgia feel to it because this, I was actually doing research on this where it's like yeah. a lot of the uh, yeah. foreign fans, they're probably from like Indonesia, Malaysia, China, India. They have a lot of a strong affinity. For those historic teams, Manchester United, AC Milan, teams that were big 10, 20 years ago. So, to see a resurgence of AC Milan in those countries would boost viewership like mad. How many people live in those countries? 1.3 billion in, in India, I believe, and, and closer to 2 billion in China. They have a lot of fans that support Man United, AC Milan, Inter Milan, even, and, and Real Madrid, Barcelona. To see these teams thrive, yeah. not just in their respective leagues, because that's the first step, but also in European competition, that would that would be the the change. I don't know how to say, it, but like that would throw off all the stigma that the other teams have for Serie A.
1: Yeah, you're totally right. Real quick, Danielle, I'm I'm gonna throw you back in here real quick, I, and I have one more question for James, and then I'll let you move on. Uh, so, so my, I have a two part question for you. Uh, you obviously uh, may not know the play that me and James are talking about, but what would a striker that we're describing do for um, AC Milan as a potential title contender against them? How concerned would you be with that? And secondly, uh, you as an Inter fan have played Real Madrid twice. Uh, why do you think, based on what you've seen, uh, it hasn't clicked in the same way?
0: Um, a, st- a striker? First, I'll answer the first part of the question with the uh, striker you kind of striker you would mentioned. Um, that would terrify the heck out of me, especially come Derby time, just having a well-rounded striker who's not only who's good on the counter attacks, who's able to get the ball from one end of the pitch to the other, and just really who knows how to read the game perfectly, that would be terrifying <laughs> and has a, and what do you mean in this like context of the second question so so
1: okay okay all right so so you were in the champions league against against a, against Real Madrid right we're not going to get into what the results were but you've seen this team play twice in the champions league when you were watching those games obviously you were frustrated for not winning right because you felt that your team was better than theirs what do you think, in terms of Real Madrid, was the reason you sort of felt, because uh, obviously we, we, were, we talked about this before, but we were really upset because you felt you should have gone through because it wasn't, it wasn't, just, it wasn't like Real Madrid was incredible. So from playing Real Madrid, in, in reference to what James is going through with Real Madrid, what, what do you think is their most explosible trait? For example, I, I'm just I'm just trying to let you in this conversation so we all can contribute here a little bit. That's all I'm saying. But what for, just 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 walk me through uh, what 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 you saw when you you saw your team play against Real Madrid from their perspective.
0: Um, for one, I actually say that when it came to that those two matches against Real Madrid, um, one of the issues that kind of like scared, if I was a Real Madrid fan, some of their defensive issues and just like not being tight at the back in certain scenarios. Um, But overall, the one thing that I think that really gave them the results versus Inter winning was their ability to overcome – because obviously Inter were definitely the better team on paper. We can all agree with that, right?
1: Yeah, yes, of course. Are,
0: are you are you talking
1: like me and James were just touching on? Do you mean like the the win the mentality and the winning intangibles, that
0: sort of? Thing? I mean, Is that what I think yeah, definitely. It was just that they know they've been in situations where they would have they struggled before, but they had that mentality of we we're not going to give up until the fat lady sings pretty much. <laughs> and I just think it's one of those scenarios where they knew that they needed to get the results to move on and they kicked it in there. I call it this another gear where if they're struggling, they're going to find so, a deep inside of them to kick it into that next level to get the results as neat that is needed. So I think it's just the one thing that, I think also has differentiated a lot of teams is their ability not to give up especially against teams that are definitely by far the better team on paper and when things come to shove they know what is needed to get those needed results
1: Totally, totally agree. Now I have a question I'm sorry I'm taking off just slightly here but um now I have a question for everybody just because we, we've talked about sort of the, the situation that Real Madrid kind of have the have them you know what I'm saying? They're in, a, they're in a tough spot right now, even though they've done pretty well, considering if Atletico Madrid um, go into the second half of the season and just bolt away from Real Madrid and Real Madrid uh, finish second or third or whatever. And I know that, that Atletico, or sorry, the Real Madrid people love Zidane because as a player and what he did as a coach. But if, if Atletico Madrid just blitz it, and Real Madrid finished second. Do you think it'd be time um, to potentially start looking somewhere else as manager, um, Daniel? You can go first.
0: Um, I if it happens this season where they finish second or third, and I would say at least even halfway into the next season, if things continue down the way, continue the way they are. I, I hate to say it, that it would be time to start looking elsewhere because that that means the managers and getting the results needed to like stay relevant. And it would just suck to see him go, but you have to do what you have to do in order to get the results. Hmm. I think that Danielle makes like All the right. name James. I what have. do you think about that? Real
2: Madrid is not a club with emotions. Same with Chelsea, where it's like it doesn't matter what you've achieved in the previous seasons. Even Leicester City had this mentality, and they're not the biggest club. You got to make, you know, the ends meet in terms of the quota for results, trophies, etc. And if Real not meeting that, why should Zidane or why should any manager be treated differently, if the expectation is always at that high level? If anything, um, I was talking to a friend about this with Chelsea and their situation with Lampard. It would be disrespectful to have that much patience with a manager and change their sort of like um, legacy. Yeah, for the sake of of having sympathy over so anything because that just goes to show that they don't actually want to keep him for the sake of what he's allowed uh, to offer. No, they're only keeping him for the sake of like what he means to the club. And that doesn't put results on paper. And so they've just got to look at the thing at face value, see where they can move from. And if they think that Zidane is not as, is not going to be as successful as another potential option that they can hire, they should move on from him and he can't, he can't say that they haven't given him a chance. They gave him $300 million to work with. Um, he had a great first, um, how do I say it? spell at Real Madrid where he won three Champions Leagues. It's historic. It's one of the things that make his resume so attractive to other teams that actually wanted his signature ahead of Real Madrid. Um, but hey, getting getting fired from Real Madrid is not the worst thing. Wow. It's not the first time it happens. And in the case of Manuel Pellegrini, actually, he had 96 points in La Liga. Still got replaced by Jose Mourinho because of the ambition that Ramadan had. And you can't say that that wasn't a good decision because they won the league a year later with 100 points. Which, funny enough, it was usurped by Barcelona's 100 points the next season.
1: Yes. That was was the team that knocked off the greatest team we've ever seen, right? That was... Wow. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Boy, and you can also make an argument about um, about Carlo Angelotti as well. Yes. I mean, he's one of the greatest He's one of the greatest managers of all time. I, you know, I'm not ranking ranking him my top five, but he's the only active manager that has three Champions League trophies. And the thing about about all that is, he didn't win anything. <laughs> they just stacked him. And if he comes back another time with that Real Madrid team. Uh-huh. Do I think they the win point. three straight? I think it's quite the possible they still would have done that. So, and then, yeah.
2: like, the last game that Real Madrid played under Ancelotti was a 7 3 win against Getafe in the Bernabeu, where Cristiano Ronaldo scored a hat trick. Javier Hernandez scored, I think, two. James scored a belter. Like, the vibe at Madrid was positive, but because he didn't win a single trophy, and that monster of a front line at Barcelona was just devastating, consuming all of Europe, they got rid of him. I don't even think it was the right decision, because who they replaced him with wasn't... It's not like he wasn't a great manager. Rafa Benitez was a great manager, but it, it, it's like... I I can't even put into words why yeah. they would make that decision. But hey, I don't... I don't think it's... I don't think it's a disrespectful decision because yeah. at the end of the day, business is business. That's like a bit of a godfather quote there. No, they're,
1: they're standard, they're, they're yeah. football, their standard, their their football standards are on an impeccable level. When you take that job, you understand what you're signing up for. If you don't win trophies, you're, you're probably not going to get the benefit of the doubt. I think that's fair then in equally equally, um, I think some of the managers that have been let go have redefined themselves yeah. and proven to be okay. good. Uh, the one at Sevilla, Loubategi or whatever, he won the sorry to bring this up – he won the Europa league last year against Inter, and he's doing he's done well since being there. So, um, anyway, uh, that, that's that's my point on it. So I agree. I think I think uh, he's on a very short leash. I never rated him as a manager. I think he's a manager that could do. A mid-table team, or a team like Wolves, a team that could push Europe, maybe a Sevilla, one of these teams. But he doesn't have the creden- he has the, the player credentials, but he doesn't have the philosophy or anything to really justify himself being a Real Madrid um, manager. Outside of the fact that he won both the Champions League, which I think were largely influenced T- by Cristiano Ronaldo and the entire team. If if he's not there, I'm not sure that that happened so i would say uh he's on a very short leash you got to do something special this season second so half of the season to, for me to keep you um but uh, yeah so if if they're gonna fire en- Angelotti after that season and pellegrini after 97 points uh you got to basically wanna, make that I, I, decision sorry, at the end of the season if things don't turn around
2: so anyway like d- the, go ahead the players that join the actual managers of course they get a lot of recognition by joining and doing well in big teams. Pep Guardiola is the prime example. He has a quote in a book that you bought me, Elliot, and it says, I tried to make Lionel Messi the best player in the world, but he ended up making me the best manager in the world. Yep. And I feel like that kind of um, that like that synopsis of what great players, great institutions can do for managers, um, is seen today, but more through the players. I think managers are getting less recognition, Mm -hmm. less of those, um, Arrigo Sachi's, uh, Marcelo Lippi, um managers that get recognized and when you hear their name, Fabio Capello, any team any team would jump at the chance to sign them if at their prime, right? Or with the right yeah. tools around them. Nowadays, like I don't even think bar like a handful of managers yeah, yeah. that you would give you know give in so much to want to sign them. You know? And I feel like it's sometimes due to the players or their, I guess their loyalty to certain players and their, their failure to live up to big moments then end up costing them. For example, um, let's see. Um, I don't know what the perfect example is, but like a manager could reach a final and the team could have been a well oiled machine, but they don't win. And as a result, their reputation can go down. Kind of like the Netherlands manager of 2010 where I have not heard from him since because they lost that final. And in the Euro 2012, the Netherlands were knocked out as the last team in in the group, and um, I guess that's just that's just how the business really. Like you have to perform at a high level if you're signing up for big jobs. Yeah. And you can't change the legacy or the standards of a club or an institute that big unless you've got a, a, a big case. Like the Zinedine Zidane won five Champions Leagues in a row, and then a freak injury happened where Cristiano Ronaldo was absent in a in the round of sixteen match, and they faced a Bayern Munich. And they got knocked out on the penalties. <laughs> like, how would not mm-hmm. say Zidane doesn't matter what happened, you know? But the club has like lacking ambition, they don't play with energy, or they get worst case scenario. Yeah. I've seen this in with a lot of three repeats across lots of sports, where it's teams get complacent, they think they can win the championship easily, and they don't give as mu- they don't devote as much energy into the fourth, fifth as they did in the first, second, or third. And so The changing of managers, I don't even think at Real Madrid is some sort of emotional or or personal thing. I just think it's become ritual because they gotta keep the um, the ambition going, and um, they sell players sometimes, not even to make money, not even to to get revenue. uh, Sorry, from like new players coming in and getting jersey sales. It's just to freshen up the morale of the squad. For example, Marcelo has won four Champions Leagues. Yeah, replace him with Ferland Mendy, who's never won the Champions League. Is he not going to give his everything to put that title on his resume that he's won Europe's biggest competition? I feel like that, that, that process of replacing and constantly substituting, if not Absolutely. A, good, a player as good, at least a player who's willing to give their everything. And I feel like um, Federico Valverde is a prime example of that, where he plays and runs for 120 minutes, if he, 500 minutes if he needed to. He said he would run until his legs exploded if it meant winning a title. And you see it materialize in the... if la- Last January, if you remember the Supercopa de España where Atletico and Real Madrid drew yeah. 1-0 and he got a red card against Morata for tackling him from behind. Um, That's something that, um let's see, Alonso would not have done. In, if if yeah. Javi Alonso was still around, not just for the lack of pace, but for like the sake of, hey, I've won a World Cup. I've won two European championships. What's a Supercopa to me? Versus, well, Verde's never won it title with real madrid that was his first yeah. with real madrid it's just if that's what a player's want to do imagine a manager who they can't actually do much more than just depend on their team results for example a manager can't score a goal they can't save a penalty they've got to rely on others if anything it's the most nerve-wracking thing because you're you don't have control over the destiny of what that player does you can only have control over who you chose as a penalty kick taker in a certain moment who was on the field um was was, was their contribution during the course of the match your your fault or you know you you drove that kind of um situation to happen where it went to penalties because your team couldn't score a goal those are questions that are asked of the manager and uh Yeah, that's it
1: for Yeah, absolutely. You got it right there. Um, anyway, Daniel, you can take back <laughs> over. Sorry about that. No
0: worries. Yeah. Um,
1: we, we, me, me and James do this every week. When we start talking about one
0: topic, we just keep going. So I know. I've guys. actually watched you guys on the football <laughs> Apex five all the time. Like at once that episode gets posted, I'm sure they're like sleeping to it because it's that good. <laughs> So so anyway. Yeah. So um anyway, I I think so far Inter are doing fairly well. I'm surprised especially after starting off like kind of slow. They kind of done what is needed to get back into it. Um I'm just going to say it, Antonio Conte it's nice to see you kind of adapt a little bit especially with changing the formation this past week, from um, the usual 3-5-2 to a 3-4-1-2. It was just nice to kind of see that adjustment made because we all know I've been giving Conte an uh, earful when it comes to not being able to adapt. Like I said, maybe he was – somehow he got a hold of our podcast episode and he actually took it to heart. One <laughs> can only hope, <laughs> but – it's just like one of those things that they're finally starting to find that rhythm again. And it's nice to see that they're fighting for the Scudetto, but we all know how, like I said, the next few weeks will be critical for inter just because over the past few seasons, I've noticed this thing called what I like to call the winter curse. They do well. And then for like six to seven matches, they just, Suck. Like they either lose or they just get a draw, no vi- no wins at all. So I'm going to be looking for consistency throughout. Um, but defensively, they're starting to slowly improve. I know Skriniar hasn't been like an avid part of the defense because he has struggled in the back three, but I think he's starting to find his like form in that formation because as they say certain things do not happen overnight. It takes sometimes a year or more to even like adjust to a different formation. So he's kind of like so he's kind of yeah. like showing that he's still a valuable part of this team. It just took him a while to get where he needs to be in this formation. Guella um, has definitely exceeded my expectations. He's continuing to do well. Um, Lukaku's continuing to do well. Just overall, things are starting to move in a more positive direction with this club. And I would, but for now, I think I'm just getting there's still a couple key issues and wanting to see more consistent. But overall, I give him a B B-plus right now.
1: All right. So on that, um, just like what, so James is basically. Um, Volunteering Jovic for Milan to go get or someone like that. I want either a goalkeeper or Cashreveley for for your in situation at Inter. What is the the signing yeah, you the want to see get done? Papu Gomez, anyway? get that far thing far done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: True, <laughs> but yeah, Papu Gomez would definitely be that one signing. Um, if depending, I don't know, like you, we have talked about this. Last uh, on our last episode earlier, we don't know how Conte would play him, but it would just be nice to have another good quality midfielder to partner up with Varela, who is just as good in the creativity department as Varela. So, finally having like a
1: yeah, but <laughs> on, play your role. Uh, you know they can't. You, you know they can't play together, right? Because uh, Barella is a defensive midfielder, and Papu Gomez is basically an attacking midfielder that has to play higher up. So they couldn't. My point here is they can't play side by side, or it would be unorthodox to do that. So if you okay, so let's just, let's just for the sake of argument, since you are leading the race at the moment if you get Gomez how would you play what would you do with with Borelli? who would you put next to him for that uh, right you know
0: what I'm um saying? how i would see it is a little bit more of i guess does could he also play a Papu gomez play like a false nine position yeah so what he
1: does with Alanta, he plays underneath uh, when they play with two up top he usually plays Underneath uh, Zabata and Ilicic, kind of where, where Erickson's position was, I think he can play a little further back. But as you know, in the inter team, uh, when you get past the defense, who's the first player that you see on the on the right. pitch? It's Barella, right? So you can't pu- you can't put him next to each other. If you had like Conte, uh, Nagola Conte next to Barella, then you could play with two defensive midfields side by side. But Papu Gomez is not someone who who is defensive oriented. He needs to be pushed as high, as high up on the pitch as possible. So with all that, so he could play, he could play false nine. He could he could come back a little, but he has to be somewhere in the middle of the pitch just because he's not someone who's gonna gonna do what Barella does. Barella does incredible things, but it's it's his, he's brilliant, but it's 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 mainly. Because of his defensive ability, with with the, all the rest of the stuff he does, you couldn't play them to. You get what I'm saying? You yeah. See, to get them kind so of in here. So in this
0: scenario, I would definitely adjust the formation to just a three four one two when he plays, just because that way we could have um, Gomez has like a false nine because that way he would be able to be up a little bit higher and be able to service Lukaku and Martinez a little bit better. Um, another player.
1: What were you gonna say? But, I was gonna say just real quick. Just you don't have to explain. Just give me a name. Uh, who would you put next to Barella um, in that position if if,
0: Pop, if Pop was uh, the um, playing the Erickson? I role. mean, let's see who would I would put with him. I mean, this isn't. I mean, I don't know if this would work uh, if we were able to get him, Rodrigo De Yeah, oh my god, that would be incredible.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> Actually, no, do that. Let Milan you can do it next
0: year. For the sake of being nice, <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> no,
1: I'm just kidding. I just, I just really want to see. I, I kind of want to see Mbappe play in Italy and if ac milan doesn't win the league this year he won't they won't be able to attract him so uh no but you could get to paul in the summer too um but on so i think th- i think gomez is only gonna cost about 10 million but the thing is you only have a month to get these deals done and i'm guessing inter are going to put all their eggs in that basket and trying to so if he comes through who would you have play next to oh, the right. that you already um, have on your team just also i just want to let you know galliardini may be included in the deal if they do that so if it's not him who would you pick cuz i'm pretty sure um, that's where you were going with it
0: i would think marcelo brozovic would be okay i mean brozovic yeah, has been one of those midfielders for us that has played in various formations and has done kind of succeeded in those areas too. So at least until we would be able to get like a Rodrigo DePaul has another signing, I would definitely be fine with Lukaku and Martinez up top. Then Papu Gomez. Then of course the two, uh, what do they call them? Wingbacks. that Right, and Pearson's, then in the middle probably, you right? got Barella and Brozovic, and then so of course whoever on the defense.
1: The back three, yeah. Um, no, yeah, that that sounds that sounds about right. Um, I don't think it's impossible you could get Rodrigo done too. He is forty million, probably is what you're gonna have to pay for him. But if if you can get Gomez for ten, then it's it's just gonna be a race against the clock. Um, real quick, before before you move on, um, James knows watches La Liga. He knows a lot about La Liga. Um, you're obviously looking for a goalkeeper going forward. Maybe not this season, for next season. You guys are linked with um, the uh, Granada goalkeeper. Um, so if you want to ask any James sure, any questions about him at all, just because you're don't... curious, I, don't... They're not in <laughs> I just figured that James would know. <laughs> so they
2: may not collect a lot of points, you know, despite the fact that Granada fit, uh, sit in seventh place. But the goalkeeper is very frustrating for a lot of the attacking players on the other teams. And even Barcelona, when they played against Granada, were despite them, you know, being frustrated against pretty much any team, against Granada specifically, it was like a bit of a tryout where you could see what Granada's goalkeeper had had to show for it. And my only my only question is would Inter be willing to try something new like that? Um Mm-hmm. The reason I say it is because when Real Madrid, for example, when they got Kaylor Navas, it was a bit like a replacement for their sub goalkeeper, which ended up being their main goalkeeper due to the fact that the fax situation failed to bring De Gea to Real Madrid, and so that kind of things. Like I, I rarely see a player go from Granada to Inter Milan and and take that huge leap. Um,
1: From your perspective, um, I think his name is Silva or Garcia. I think Garcia, something like that. I Forgot his name. Um, but if if Inter are looking for a potential replacement for Hamdanovic, who, mm-hmm. while he can still save shots, his hands are a little, um, as you can, t- kind of dicey, you know, if you slippery. will. Uh, yeah. Would you say? Would you see that move as a potentially? Um, good move for inters. I just for inter t- going six, forward because just, eventually handanovic isn't gonna be good enough anymore. Very
2: difficult to find a player that's similar to him or identical to him in that case. But you got to remember that you, Julio Cesar, was like six foot only and he was a legendary goalkeeper for inter Milan. So just because mm-hmm. Russo was only six foot two, as I'm seeing here, that that shouldn't stigmatize them going in for him. Um, Because as long as the goalkeeper knows how to stand his ground, he can be, you know, as tall as a giraffe and let goals in in the case of Courtois in his first season, or he can be six foot and be like Carol Navas and be a three time three peating Champions League winner. But Yeah. Yeah. And with Navas, and he wasn't was, expected
1: was again, to be as good as he ended up being. He ended up being. Like being, like, world-class. They were so.
2: to send Navas to Manchester United we'll in exchange for De Gea. And even though they had paid, I think, $5 million for Navas, they were willing to give that plus $25 million for De Gea. And you end up getting someone better better than De Gea for, for $5 million. It's insane. Um, but, hey, th- not every story is like yeah. a fairy tale like that. And we've seen time and time again, Kepa, the prime example. La Liga isn't always the best place to find goalkeepers. Right. So if I were Inter, I would look actually within the league to see who's willing to give up some an, an asset for them. Or maybe within the Bundesliga. League. Um, but... Yeah, that's what I'm afraid
1: of. <laughs> um re- yeah real quick Danielle before before uh, before we talk about the awards stuff um let's just assume for for my sake that enter I mean that Roma sign cracked no so he's off the board would you um would you look at uh perhaps uh I mean we talked about this before um would you would you perhaps look for Alex Merritt or uh, uh Veronas Ge de Silvestri as a as a, a I guess, a solvable situation for what Inter have going right now? I would definitely
0: be fine with that, especially... But I right now, I think we're going to focus mostly on Papu Gomez, and I think the keeper will more so, obviously...
1: No, that will be summer. That will probably be summer. Um, so, I know we're jumping a little bit in, in front, but in the summer, what... W- Let's just uh, just let's just assume Cragno's not available. If you can't have him, who from as as a fan, which goalkeeper or which couple goalkeepers would you like to look at? And if it's not the two um, I mentioned, who
0: who would what you? What was have the set? name of the one D yeah. Silvestri? Yeah, yeah I would definitely the, go the after one. him. He has he's really quick and agile. He's good at saving chances, and of course when. Of course, when he come would come in, um, he would basically be. I would have him at least start in Europe, P- Europe, and then like kind of watch as Handanovic does the league one last time, and then when it's eventually is time to go, and then move him to like the starting goalkeeper, and then if Handanovic ends up still staying, then use him in European competitions.
1: Okay, I want to – this is probably in all likelihood not going to happen, but I'm just going to throw this out at you just because – oh, my God. If this would happen – first of all, I'm cheering for this.
2: Oh, yeah. um, You know John
1: Donnarumma? He has an expiring contract right now. He can be approached for a a transfer that he would come to said club July 1st. So uh, this is probably not happening. So number one, how how excited would you be if this happened? And on his contract, how much would you be? How much would you willing to be to pay him per year, for him to 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 make the switch from red to, to well, Red Rover,
0: Red Rover, come on over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably pay him like thirty million a year. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so just
0: one so would just only make one more. Yeah, but uh realistically though I'd probably pay him at least twenty million.
1: That's I think that's fair. I don't think that's I don't think that's overstepping um bounds. Um I mean I'm guessing he would um uh, come, come for I think that he will stay at AC Milan. I would be shocked if he doesn't. Um, but I just, I just want Wait, to throw that out there because that, he doesn't have um, his
0: twin brother. Are they twins or something?
1: No, he is an older brother. But he's I, I don't know why you would be interested. Yeah, because in, I knew uh, that I
0: know there's two of them at AC Milan. So I'm like trying to. Figure it out. One factor that you guys have to consider is uh, that Chelsea. I don't think. Running I think, think Antonio is
1: not an AC Milan anymore.
2: And they have, especially with the Premier League funds, the ability to also match Inter's offer, and who knows how compatible Donnarumma would want to be with Inter and their ultra, the AC Milan ultras being on his back. He lives in the same city. I don't know if that's the right decision for him. And I'm not just saying it because I'm a Milan fan, but like I. Italy Ultras are totally different to La Liga Ultras. You remember from the Figo situation where he had a pig's head thrown at him because he went from Barcelona to Real Madrid? In Italy, I don't know. I wouldn't want to know what it's like to go from Inter... Sorry, AC Milan to Inter and vice versa. Especially for free, you know? That would just be like your whole career there was for nothing. That's That's a transfer that I'm not being pessimistic. It could definitely happen. But he, for his mental sake, and for his family even... We'd we'll probably want to go to Chelsea if that option is also on the on the table. All right,
1: um, Danielle. Um, oh, all right, so um, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, go okay, ahead. you um, can like, take back over.
0: I'm gonna. Let's just do our. Would you like to do both awards? Okay, when we do this, the awards we're Yeah. Hold on, let's let's, let's hold on.
1: before you can do. let's let's try to wrap up in the next ten minutes here. Um, Brian is available if, if you do okay. wanna do something with him after this. So I'm just letting you everyone uh things, but you you know. Um, okay,
0: so, just, so basically just when just we start. do these awards, um, I'm just gonna list out the category and we're gonna do uh, like basically just your um that a players in a, like a, all the top 5 leagues right now it doesn't have to be just specifically serie a it could be a liga a Bundesliga, whatever um
1: let's 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 sorry let's do a serie a one though the the one i sent you um let's do. all okay, those those. So the answer the one Okay for serie
0: a uh, right now who is everybody's best striker yeah.
1: um do you want me to go 1st Uh I'll go uh, I don't... I, I understand if you go with Caputo. Um, I don't think... Or Caputo or Bellazzi has been good. Um, I don't know if Waldo considered a striker, really. He I mean, kind of is. But Considering where Lazio are when he's playing well and when he's not playing well, there's a... A monumental drop off um, and uh, yeah I, I think last season was incredible uh, for and, and again I said this before I don't care about the I mean, this one comes because he's surprise. creating so much he's when he's not guessing. doing he's, not he's been problem. such a player like, for not, them and um, so I think yeah. for me Kira Mobley
2: 10 goals in 6 games and I don't know whether A should be factored in but like my oh yeah I forgot about Zlatan like, but that's a good I shot mean, as well for me it's best striker in the Serie A but I'm just wondering like, what he could have done if he was 29 or 27 <laughs> uh, compared to his competition. And not, not to mention, it's not a team that feeds him. It's just like convenient for yeah. him. Like, he, his height is an asset that comes in handy sometimes with crosses, but it's not like they've formulated their attack around him specifically. Um, and I feel like if he's able to score 10 goals in six games like that, I can only imagine if he's had a little bit of pace on him or, I mean, that's an a factor that cannot be changed, but something that can be changed is bringing faster players alongside him that can, you know, run it through him on the byline or cross it to him yeah, to leave him wide open on the back post. Uh, some factors like this. And I'm um, looking at the table. Like, like... Yeah. And, and I'm looking at the table right now. Yeah.
1: And, and if, he, he if you count so last year, he's got 20 goals in the last, uh, uh look at the since
2: 2020. Cristiano Ronaldo, 12 goals, 10 games. I don't know if that's as impressive as six games, 10 goals. Not to mention, um, if we want to go even more in depth, uh, the shot accuracy wise, um, NG, uh, Andrea Velotti has 70% shot accuracy when it comes to goal conversion. So he's definitely an underrated dark horse when it comes to best striker in the league. Um,
1: Oh absolutely. Like if he's on a if he's on a good team, if he's on like a team like Roma, he's scoring he's he's gonna be much more in the spotlight and scoring more goals. It's because he has to basically if he doesn't score Torino lose. And even if he does score he still lose. So this is a, a problem um, for for him, I guess.
0: Um, um, I'm going with Cyril as well trigger? just because he has been very consistent this season, and he is just solid all around when it comes to getting the ball where it needs to be and just being a really strong leader for the voice of Lazio. Uh, did you, uh, um, did yeah, you I, pick them? For, I think uh, it was me. Year?
1: I can't remember. Or was that, that Ryan? Okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm just asking because I know I forgot because I know um, one of
0: us has um, a mobile Best midfielder. Anyway, continue.
2: <laughs> sure thing.
0: Um, I can go first if you guys want to. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my yeah, boy, Nicolo Borella. He's been pretty much the backbone of the midfield. Um, he's the one doing a lot of the goal chance creating. He's the one who's also helping in a, kind of like that defensive role whenever it's needed. He's just been phenomenal, and I can't wait to see what he continues to do with this our club. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little
1: shocker for you guys here. I'm gonna go with with Manuel Locatelli. Um, one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, I don't know how long, much longer he'll be in the league if Juve or Inter doesn't sign him. Somebody else will. Um, he, it's like he's one of these players. He doesn't play a sexy position. He's not scoring screamers outside the box all that often. He does it occasionally. Um, he did it against Juve when he was lacing the lawn, but um, he does all the gritty stuff that I love. And I think he's been as you know, consistent as anybody. A and I, I is Sassuolo in, in this position without him because they uh, in the team? I don't think so. So uh, I'm going to lock efficient
2: striker who scores full of goals for them to win games. They have a balanced team and they have the youth. Yeah. Let's mention Locatelli is a, he's got passion and aggression. I remember when he used to play for Milan, he used to get booked all the time because he'd go into tackles that no one else was willing to do. And that's a, that's a quality that definitely can't be overlooked. Um, now I don't know if he qualifies totally as a midfielder, but Hakan Chagunoglu for AC Milan is a player I just enjoy watching. Yeah, hmm. um, just for his contribution and it, it should be recognized yeah, at their top of the league. Winger is is
1: an in inverted, inverted midfielder, midfielder, so I think that. But the okay. thing
2: is, like, if you were to say he's the best midfielder outright, you know how like the Premier hmm. League, if you think De Bruyne, no, no one thinks twice about it. With Syria, if someone tells you Locatelli's the best midfielder. For as loyal as you can be to Syria, you can't just take it like that and just let it go from one year to the next. You retain the information, and you're like, Huh, well, what does he do better than the other midfielders? Also, another thing I mean, I hate to throw my American bias in here, but West yeah. has been one of the best performing midfielders, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, true, true. And I thought about McKinney, but um. If you're going from 20, um, to me, he just hasn't played enough games to, to put himself in that position. I thought about him as well, but I think he's played 10, 12 games uh, mm-hmm. in 2020 in Serie A. That was a good um, As good as he's team. been, I just didn't feel comfortable I giving it to him based on a half the season. Torino, you know what I mean?
2: I and then the, the scissor kick against Barcelona. Those are not – oh, actually, the Torino – the Derby goal, yes, is a Serie A goal. But uh, I was thinking more about the bigger body of work and what they mean for the team. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. If you're talking about like valuable or or midfielder, that's different. What we're talking here is from 2020 season, not not just here, but from January to January. You can make that argument for McKinney, but half of that year he was in Germany, so that's why I didn't think about him because
2: because of that exact reason. Are no longer like Alan for for Napoli, but hey, you can't give six months. You know, you can't discredit six months of effort. Um,
1: right, exactly. No, absolutely. Not, but when we look at the end of the season, and we're we're putting out the team of the season, and I'm doing stuff. At the end, they'll probably be coming up that, but if the body of the – in Italy is just a little limited right now. Um
0: we anyway, we what, will have best defender.
2: This one is very predictable.
1: Um this isn't gonna shock anybody. everyone knows what I'm gonna say, right? Um I think I, I wanna give a shout out to John for what he's done. Um uh, but uh if this is Matthias Delit all over it, I mean. Felix. Um, if you exclude my team from the conversation DeLitt is probably my second favorite player right now and it's unfortunate who he plays for but without his influence in the defense of at Juve last year and this year they don't win the title last year and they're not in this position this year he's been when he's played he's been absolutely phenomenal I think I'm one, probably one of the few people who think he's the best defender in the world there's even UVA fans who don't think that but I think he's got absolutely everything, and he had an outstanding season. That $75 million that they paid, they he's doubled that in value sense because of his impact in uh, in the league and, well, and through I agree, all competitions. I, Matilda, I think he's the he's future captain of Juventus me. if he the stays penalty, there, and he's just been outstanding. The penalties
2: that he was giving away at first were the only thing you could hold against him. And even, even those groin injuries, well, in his absence, and you can tell when a player is important. And class based on his replacement, like Devon right, exactly. is not a bad defender at all. But he's not Matthias Ligt. And so a world cost defender. Yeah, a world cost defender, despite his age. If you're good enough, you're old enough. His absence hurt yeah. them. And even this season it's because of the dysfunctional midfield, he's actually had more work to do. But you go to the new camp, which I know is outside yeah. of the Syria you know calendar, and you keep a clean sheet against the greatest player to ever live who had seven shots and target against buffon I mean that's not something to be taken lightly and he's he's only on he's only got an upwards trajectory it's not like he's in his prime and and this is what you're gonna see for a few more years this guy's gonna get right. better I don't even know if he can get faster I mean a lot of components that are gonna work in his arsenal and he plays for a good national team that'll keep him playing next to one of un- Next to a defender who is probably in the eyes of many Premier League fans, yeah, and world the football fans, exactly, the best defender in the world. Now, yeah. I would if- love to see competition between them. A camaraderie, of course, in competitions, but imagine having the best two yeah. defenders in the world—that's insane. That it, it only reminds me of, of Spain. Uh, of course, I had, of course, had to name drop them because it's <laughs> it's me, <laughs> yeah. but
1: yeah. I think uh, – absolutely. But re- real quick, let me just make one point. Van Dyke has the physicality of the uh, – from a defensive ability. He's really quick. He's fast. He's athletic. All these great things. Dalit is not big, fast, and athletic. He's, he's big. He's pretty quick. But I think DeLitt's defensive awareness is something I haven't seen in a long time. When And I started to bring this up. You know, when he is in the presence of Lukaku and Martinez – It's like they're playing without those two players. That is what he can do to someone. And Van Dyke, who has may have better qualities in certain areas, he can't eliminate two players like that from an attack. You know what I mean?
0: Um. First of all, my defender is going to Mancini of Roma. (laughs) He's all right. Yeah, Uh, he's just been a great backbone for you guys. And (laughs) when he's out, you can definitely uh, even you. It's not like he would be missed anyway, because you guys got a great defense all around. But it ju- it just misses something when he's not there. Um, so best goalkeeper. Agreed.
1: Oh boy, um, Donnarumma. Uh, yeah, Donnarumma. He's been the best, I think. Uh, and uh, um, I think Deep Silvestri is a close second, in my opinion. And there's other ones you can throw in there, but Donnarumma is. Has just been great, and without his saves week in week out, uh, AC Milan this season would be still be fine. But last season, uh, I mean, they would have not had a, such a as good of a campaign. I
2: mean, like, Chesney, but he's not been making as much of an impact. James, you you going, going down to or, or somewhere else? don't on the other hand, I remember very vividly that he kept Milan in that game against Genoa that ended two two. So, without trying to be biased, yeah, almost all my picks are Milan. In that case, best. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because also, if you look at the game against Lazio, the penalty uh, the, or the uh, Alberto his his save bounced at the bar, and he would probably wouldn't conceded that if it wasn't for dumb luck. Anyway. Up so next, we I have the vulnerable.
0: MVP.
1: Mm. Yes. Uh, From of twenty twenty, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Papu Gomez. I mean, he's been great when he's played this year. He's been great, and last season he was absolutely outstanding. If Paulo Dybala halfway decent this season, uh, it would have been. I would have given it to him. But I'm, I'm not going to completely dismiss twenty uh, this part of this season. Last season, Man, if you put good last good season good with a half-decent ball, this season, it would have been Debal. He just hasn't done enough for, for me to, to keep his spot there. Yeah, no. You can't say deval but I'm just saying – this season's Diabala and last season's Diabala don't you look the same,
0: point
2: and he hasn't
1: done I, I enough this season like, for me to do that. But he was so great last year. I'm, for, I think it's fine or, if you go there, but I won't go there for that transfer
2: reason. Transfer fee for Diabala be justified based on this season's performances? Answer is outright no, because you know why he was a 100 million pound player last season. He was playing insane, but this season, huh. I think that halved, and that's not being too dramatic because obviously, you know. A lot of teams are interested in him, and he's a remarkable athlete. Um, but I think the the same choice.
1: Yeah. No, I agree, though, because it's – right. Yeah. If you look at – if you, if exactly. They, they if you just look by at one. last season,
2: won the league by one team,
1: uh, Ronaldo scores half as many goal goals, and Juve aren't and in the Champions League, in my opinion, without sure. the balls.
2: I think I remember he had one. So was like a ball it's, it's, it's fair. That, um, Sarri said himself, he was like, what a goal. The, his performances were so outstanding that the coach would overlook Cristiano Ronaldo, the most marketable athlete, to pay dividends to Paulo Dybala, and be, because none of the media was doing it, yeah. Like he was selfless enough to give Ronaldo penalties and free kicks, knowing that obviously he's not the same Ronaldo of free kicks of old. But if he was more selfish. He could have done much more and fulfilled his quota for goals scored, assists.
1: Right, but the thing is, the thing you talk about the stats and the stats don't really matter in this situation. But yeah, I think he had 11 goals, six assists, all comps last season. He wasn't necessarily assisting on every goal, but he's putting. His, he had so many where, like pass to assist goals. He had like 20 of those. So the actual assist is it's less. He didn't score that much, but he scored in the two biggest games of the season against Inter the first time, against Inter the second time, and he scored against Atlanta. He scored, and at, so he scored in most of the like big games. So me, I just think because of that, it's a valid choice. But uh, who, who are, are, gonna you gonna go? are you going to go? Are you going with Tabala or are you going with somebody
2: else? But that, in my opinion, just that's right. because he's putting himself in positions where he's going to take a shot to the body and It just so happens to hit him in the arm. There are players that dodge shots. Um, there's none of that. Like if you've ever seen John Terry at the FIFA 2010 FIFA World Cup, where he tries to head the ball on the ground, like that passion and brave heart, yeah, um, commitment to play mm-hmm. as a team. We don't see much anymore. But this guy is. When I say tank, I mean like he is built. He's tall. He's strong. He's fast. Like he reminds me of when Zlatan would say, "You had Cannavaro, Toure." the toughest defenders to try to beat this guy is in the perfect uh, how do i say ambience to learn and if anything if anything like he's got the best mentors because killini one of the best defenders of this generation in his ear at all times it was a smart career decision even if he doesn't win the trophies now he he will have the expertise to be able to do it not just on the club level but for me the lit is most Dangerous on the international front because that team is going to have the two best defenders. It just it cannot be overlooked. They've got the future set.
1: Yeah, they'll. They, yeah, they'll win a World Cup. Um, then... um,
0: for the MVP, I am definitely going. I'm going to go Dalit just because he's very consistent and he's just been amazing even up to this point this season. All right. Um, so what, how, many, so how, many, could, how many left do we have? We have four, but I decided we're going to just cut out three of them and Wait, um, so we're just going to to say all of them and we'll just answer all of them at once. Okay. Breakout player.
1: Um, no, no. Sorry. All right. to so on. So say all four categories and then we can just do them real quick because I don't know if you're going to go, but I'm, I'm going to want to record with Ryan in, at nine o'clock. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going okay. on to... So, what are the four categories?
0: Breakout player, yeah. most improved, disappointing team, and manager. Right. Manager
1: this season, we can go quick and then we can have a short conversation about this. Manager this season, Ivan Juric, Um, Hellas Verona goes from promotion to top eight to another season where they looking like they're going to finish near the Europa League. They sold their three best players, they're still balling. Um, most improved, um... Oof! uh, who's most improved? Um, I'm gonna say Nicola Barella. He was absolutely terrible when he first got to enter, uh, back, back half of last season. And this season, he's been great. Um, breakout player, Rodri Banez goes from Alanda to Roma and completely changes everything. Um, most disappointing team, Fiorentina. They're going to be the best team in the world. They're going to they're going to do this. They're going to do that. They've done absolutely nothing except beat UVA one time. Um, they're absolutely atrocious. Um, so it's them. Um, am I missing one? Um, disappointing team. Uh, I, I said that for Fiorentina. Okay. Uh. Uh, it it is, but it's not. It, it's close, but I think I think Fiorentina has been considering the expectations of them potentially pushing Europe for the last couple of seasons and they' we've heard the same story this season and last season. I think because of how bad they've been,
0: it, it slightly over overpowers that. Okay, so you got the question. everybody. Um, James, what about you? Okay, so so, so okay most improved um,
1: sorry, most improved Coach of the year. Um, most disappointing hmm. team, right?
2: Is that it? Great. I think. And breakout, and breakout player. player. I feel like Locatelli is the bro- breakout player. Most improved is Simulan. and I mean, like, what <laughs> was I going to pick anything else? And most disappointing team is is Juventus. Just, it's. I can't probably believe up. that they're squandering Ronaldo, even though he's not in his prime anymore. They, they won't probably be able to get an asset as reputable as that ever again. Like Cristiano Ronaldo. And his social media presence, not to mention his his pull for other world class players that want to play with him, um, is something that they're they're not using to the the mix of their ability. N- not just in Europe, but this season I don't see them winning Serie A. So I don't get how they go from dominating the league to acquiring a yeah, no way, and then now they're just barely scraping by. I know that when Uh Hulabali scored that 90th minute goal in the Juventus Stadium to put them level on points with Juventus. I believe in 2018, uh, that was one of the tightest title races Juventus have seen in, in recent years. But even then, yep. they got the job done. With with this Juventus, like, this is the first time where... I, it's not that I, I see it possible. I don't yeah. see no way. five teams blowing their organization and discipline to make way for a Juventus team that isn't even all that convincing.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to say something right now. You can you can ch- uh, chalk this up w- when the season's over. Roma, uh, sorry, Ro- Roma, A1, and Juventus. I don't, the worst, the best they can do is fourth. And there's a possibility that Napoli will get it we'll together go. and finish the them as well.
2: We'll have to wait and see if they bounce back because they have to beat Napoli, by the way. They had that they, yeah, I don't think yeah. so either. I do not think so, especially because Napoli... I don't think they will. Um, they, they've had that recent boost in confidence, unfortunately, because of the tragic circumstances of the loss of Diego Maradona and what that means for them. <laughs> Which, by the way, the stadium has now been renamed in, in name of said Maradona. Mm-hmm. They This whole season is going to be like, you know how the Lakers had their Kobe season last year? This is going to be their yep. Maradona season. They're going to go on. And by the way, like a title rival like Juventus, in a bad situation, they're going to be licking their lips. They're going to do as much damage as they can that they couldn't do in years past, that they can do now. Uh, And it it, it won't be something that that you can't say you couldn't see coming. It won't be a shock 3-0 loss to Fiorentina, who, by the way, if they're your most disappointing team, imagine how Juventus feel losing 3-0 to them. Um, exactly. That that almost that almost heightens the blow. Who would you have
1: as your coach? Uh, you could go, there's, so you could do um, so, I went with Yurich, There's um, Deserby. There is um, who else is Gasparini, out there? You can give it a contact. Would I wouldn't, uh, Peoli is, an, is another one, like, just to give you some I idea.
2: do hold European competition, uh, performances. In no, Gasparini is a good one. Because at the end of the day, you win the league to be able to qualify for these set competitions and try to fulfill that football manager dream of winning the Champions League with a team like Atalanta. And hey, they lost to a team that went all the way to the final and lost 1-0. Which honestly, we've discussed this in the past. Yeah, exactly. So like, if we remember. And outplayed league, Bayern
1: I said, Munich too. Atalanta
2: were through in the 90th minute And then they collapsed. Yeah, then Neymar, Neymar decided that enough was enough. And that's not just any Then Neymar, best player in the world right now, without a doubt. Um, so those are my picks. And hey, it's been a pleasure being on the list exactly. tonight, guys.
1: All right. One more thing, Daniel, gone yet. Daniel. go really quick.
0: Okay, my breakout player is Western McKinney. He's starting to like show what he's capable of. Um, most improved, Barella. What like you said, Elliot. When he first started, he was awful, but now he's just improved leaps and bounds, and I still need to get a barella kid at the end of the season. Um, Disappointing team, obviously, Fiorentina. They talk a big game, but then we all know what happens. And manager, I'm going to have to wash my mouth out with alcohol. Pioli, because with what he's doing with this AC Milan team that has struggled and hasn't really... Um, Flourish is starting to finally find its life again and so those are my picks for those categories right. and um, one more thing remember everybody who's listening to this me
1: and James are recording our podcast tomorrow sometime make sure to check that as well um, James thank you so much for coming on me and Daniel are going about to record another podcast with Ryan so we have about seven minutes to, to take a break before we do that um, but again it's, it's been a pleasure uh, we'll have you back on eventually again as well. And Danielle, you'll be on our show at some point again as well. So um, anyway, if you want to close it out, uh, go ahead.
0: Okay. um, As always, this has been another episode of the Calcios Pantheon. And like we said, James, it was an honor to have you on tonight as our first guest.